0: go uh Jason Phillips uh, last week and then I'm finishing up uh, this leg here with Joshua. We'll be in Joshua 5 tonight and uh, before we do that, let's pray here for myself once more time. Uh, Heavenly Father, just ask for wisdom with your words as we study Joshua. and Lord uh, let us see um, just how you provided here for Joshua and the Israelites, how you provide for us even this day, Lord. Uh, even in the trials and battles that we are in. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5. To set the uh, stage here, though, I want to read again from Joshua chapter 1. And I'd like to read here from verses 1 through 11. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, "Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. So as we studied last week, we saw that they had crossed the Jordan, just the magnificent work that God had done with that, them walking across dry ground here. So the Lord has spoken and commanded Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and now they're going to take possession of it. So I'm going to read here from uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. And it says here, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there is no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. One moment here as I... uh... So the adversaries heard, and they heard about what God had done there at the Jordan River. Them walking across the dry ground, and now they 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 see and they heard what God had done for them. And I like how the Bible describes here how their hearts melted, and no, there is no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Um, that word melted uh, to become subdued or crushed, and that word spirit they're using that. Basically, they had lost their assertiveness, uh, their firmness, because they knew what was coming. And to just kind of give an example, when I read that, I thought about, you know, competition sports today, when you see football or basketball game, and in a football, when a team, you have a team that establishes uh, the running game, and the defense has no answer. Or in basketball, where one player for a team, you just can't stop that player. You see and you sense during that game, the opponent's, their will wilt. Their will kind of be decreased because they can't stop that running game. They can't stop that player. And here we have the kings of the Amorites and the kings of the Canaanites. They see what's coming. It's not the children of Israel, but it's the God behind the children of Israel, the God before the children of Israel, the God who is with the children of Israel. They see what's coming, and their hearts melt, and their spirits are crushed. So uh, for that team that player, they know victory is near, it's almost complete. In our world, you want them to finish the game. You want them to finish the fight. But that's not what is going to exactly happen here immediately. Reading here, picking up in verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. So I read this verse, and immediately I thought, leadership is tough. Uh, Joshua here is instructed by the Lord uh, not to go take the land, not to get the warriors ready for battle. Is to make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. And Joshua did that. He made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And then I thought, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So instead of Joshua, like I said, leading to take the land now at Jericho, there's a couple matters that God wants to address here through his people, uh, through the Jews here. And these are matters of a spiritual nature, and these are matters of the heart. Uh, The first one we see here is circumcision. And circumcision... Obviously, that was a sign of God's covenant promises to Abraham, which, is, which included the possession of the land. And I'm going to read here from Genesis uh, chapter 17, starting in verse 8. And it says, Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with no or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So that, that gives us a picture of what circumcision, the covenant there from the book of Genesis there uh, with Abraham. And we see here that was a renewal here that's happening here. That God is bringing to remembrance here for this new generation. Uh, sign of God's covenant promise to Abraham. Picking up here in verse, verse 4, and it says, And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised him. So we have a picture of what the circumcision was there in uh, the book of Genesis. And why now we have understanding as to why God called Joshua to do this. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised him. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. So, in reading uh, the passage there from Genesis, and we see here why it was necessary to do the circumcision, uh, God is preparing this new generation spiritually in this act of circumcision. And you may wonder, well, how, how is in this act of circumcision is God preparing them spiritually? Because think about this. God is ready for them to take the land. They have to go take possession of that. And God is going to be with them, and they know they're going to have opposition. So, if you're getting ready for a battle, the last thing you probably want to do is have your army be circumcised. So, uh, you know, it's not a great battle strategy or an exercise to have your army do, but this was a test of their hearts. Were they going to totally be trusting God in in this mission, this journey that's set before them and taking the promised land? And I bring that up because... If you, think, if you look at circumcision, uh, it had that reference there in Genesis chapter 17. If you remember there in Genesis chapter 34, let me turn there real quick. Genesis 34. My Bible has a, the heading, the Dinah incident. Uh, Dinah, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, basically she gets violated, she is raped, and... The per, they have um, the person who did this, uh, you know, heinous act towards Dinah. They talk to um, Jacob, and in thirty-four twenty-five here says uh, they kind of negotiate a um, a an agreement that if these men would circumcise themselves, these men of Shechem, um, that they would allow their daughters to be intermarried with them, and they. Go ahead with that circumcision. And 34.25 says, Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, these are the men of Shechem Shechem in pain from the circumcision, that the two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. So that's why I say it's not a great battle strategy to have your army, your men be circumcised there. But it was a spiritual preparation for them, for them to get their hearts prepared for what they were about to do. Uh, God was going to work on his behalf, on the behalf of the Jews here, of his people. And circumcision was something that God called for them to do, to be part, to be prepared to, be, to take this land. So just as the people in the land heard of God's work on the behalf of his people, um, p- picking up in verse 9, God says, I have taken away the reproach of Egypt from you. Just as the people heard there in the beginning of this chapter of what God had done at the Jordan crossing there, the, the river crossing there at Jordan, you've got to understand that people would have known, the people of Egypt would have also have known what was going on uh, with the Israelites after they had left Egypt. We're talking about they had walked 40 years in the wilderness. So you can imagine a lot of scorn heaped upon the Jews at that time, you know, saying, what, 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 you know, God has not brought them into the promised land. So the generation that crossed the Red Sea, they would not be able to take the land that had been promised them. But God was preparing here the new generation, first with the act of circumcision for the men. And then we have the second preparation uh, portion that they were going to do, picking up back here in verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. So as we stated there, the first act of spiritual preparation that they had was a circumcision for the men. And now the second, the second act of preparation would be the observance of Passover. And Passover, uh, this was the feast God had instituted to commemorate his deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And I'm going to read here from Exodus 12 uh, just to kind of give us a summary here of what the Exodus, uh, excuse me, Exodus account of Passover uh, consisted of. Exodus 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you should keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on to the... On the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it, then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with burning with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So here we have circumcision, which God had made the covenant with Abraham for them to practice. Then we have the Passover, which they were also to practice as well. And in that 40 years in the wilderness and studying that, they did not, obviously they did not follow the act of circumcision for the males And they did not observe Passover either during that time as well in their 40-year journey. So here God is providing another example of his faithfulness here with this Passover. Because, let's see here, pick up back up here in Joshua 5. We talk about there in verse 10, they kept the Passover on the 14th day. In the next verse, we see God's faithfulness. And they ate the produce of the land on that day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain. On the very same day. So, verse 11 talks about them eating of the produce of the land. So, a very significant event. God showing his uh, promises being kept, right? He promised them this land, and they were now partaking in the fruit of that land. Next verse talks about then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So, God is showing his faithfulness here through this act of them observing the Passover. No more manna. After 40 years, no more manna. This land that God promised them would be able to provide them food. So, for the Jews here, on the task set before them, God is preparing them spiritually. First, with the act of circumcision, a renewal of the covenant that God made with Abraham, a remembrance of God's promise, and them trusting in God uh, with their whole heart, And then the observance of Passover here, we see God providing deliverance. And that's a reminder for us today because Jesus is our Passover, right? We are covered in his blood. Our sins are not seen. And because Jesus being our Passover, for this we should be grateful and thankful. And I don't know what battle or trial you are in, but remember that God keeps his promises and be thankful for what Jesus has done for you. Um, So in those two points there, we see that spiritual preparation of circumcision and Passover, and we see God God showing himself faithful by them doing that. Kind of like when we do communion, we recognize what the Lord has done for us, we recognize him being our Passover, and just as they get to prepare in their battle set before them, we do that when we do practice communion as well. Um, any questions here on those passages that we discussed here before I finish up chapter 5? Yes. So they weren't in last Correct. If I understood it correct what is your name? Okay. Jenny. So the question is, um, in verse two the wording is at that time, uh, circumcised the sons of Israel again the second time. That doesn't mean they were being circumcised a second time, but this generation was, this new generation was being circumcised because they had not been circumcised. So the, the the generation before them, their fathers, they were circumcised, and but you have got to remember they died in the wilderness, and we know in reading verses four through nine that they didn't practice. This act that they were supposed to do, they didn't practice the act of circumcision because it says, um, this is the reason why Joshua did it. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way, for they had come out of Egypt. And it says here, for the people who had came out had been circumcised. That's the first time. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Okay. Yes, and that's what mine says too. The way I understood that to be, Jenny, was that they were the new generation. They were still Israelites, but they had not been circumcised. So this was the, this was the second, um, the second time. And I don't know if that's, it's a figurative term here for the generation. They were, were going to practice the act of circumcision the second time, a second time for this new generation. Does that make sense? Okay. I can, I can follow up with you afterwards on that. And I think it's just a term of um, kind of like I'm going through this a second time again, or, you know, even though it may not be. Yes. Yes. Before the Exodus. Yes. Because you've got to remember, before they, it says they had wandered through the 40 years in the, des- in the wilderness and they had not been circumcised during that time. So, any other questions? John? Yeah, my understanding was, there are other circumcisions. The first one was a mass circumcision. And after that, every child has children born in every day. Yes. So this was the second mass circumcision. Yes, thank you. So, thank you for that clarity. So, does that make sense? Second... For that generation, yes, that would make sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Marv, for that, Jenny. I hope I hope that helped and. Kathy. My translation says the second generation of yes. So I didn't, I didn't eloquently state that. Yeah, second, circumcised the second generation of Israelites. So I hope that provides clarity there. So Ryan. Right. Um, Thank you for that example. So we see that comparison of Joshua and Moses. I like how this chapter does that. We looked at the crossing, uh, Joshua leading the Israelites over the Jordan River, kind of as Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea. And then we also see, we're going to see here at the end of chapter 5, we know Moses had encountered the Lord uh, God uh, through the burning bush, right, uh, in Exodus as well. And in that uh, passage there in Exodus, it talks about you are on holy ground, and we're going to see that here at the end of chapter five. And I, and I can imagine just the, just, for lack of a better term, the weight on Joshua as, I, like I said, trying to prepare uh, these people uh, for the battle that lies before them. So I'm glad you brought up that comparison. Anybody else here before we finish up chapter five? Okay, I want to finish up chapter 5 here, the last couple of verses. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth in worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant?" Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So here we have the order of events here for uh, the people of Israel and Joshua. We have the circumcision that they had to practice here for the second generation. We had the act of Passover, observing that. And now for Joshua personally, before they go in the next chapter and they're going to go take Jericho, he wants to see... He's trying to devise probably a plan of action uh, for the army, and he encounters, he encounters the Lord, and he's in the presence of the Lord God. Joshua's in the presence of Jesus here, and we want to call this, this is called a theophany, uh, temporary appearance of God in human flesh. And please note here, it says, the sword was drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So the sword drawn in the hand, this would show that the Lord himself would be fighting for Joshua and the Israelites, prepared for battle. And I can imagine just how Joshua would have had a sense of comfort and and strength and relief in that. And Joshua also recognizes that he is in the Lord's presence here. Uh, Let's see here. Because he says to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And he says, he fell on his face to the earth and he worshipped him. And then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So Joshua obviously recognizes that this is the Lord, and he gives him reverent worship. And the Lord helps Joshua do this worship here in reverence, because he asked him to take his sandal off his foot, because the place where he is, it's holy ground. Um, showing Joshua just the holiness of the Lord, but also man's sinfulness there. So, just thought that was a neat closure here to this chapter, because we see how the Lord was with Moses, and how I read there at the beginning of this book, how the Lord had spoken to Joshua, said, I will be with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And we see how Joshua here, how obedient he was in the actions that he had to take, that he had to do the circumcision, that he had to get them prepared to observe Passover, and now as he was going to go scout the land here at Jericho, he meets the Lord in his, his duties here that he's following as the leader of Israel here. So, in summary here, the application points, you know, when we see how God had Israel do these acts of circumcision and Passover again, remember what I said again about just Jesus being our Passover, and just how grateful and thankful we should be for that, and then also uh, with the um, with the uh, circumcision, the covenant of circumcision that they did. Basically, that was almost a test for them to see where they would be. You know, did they believe the Lord would be with them? Would they believe with their whole hearts that He would fight before them? And then now we see here in the latter passage here of this uh, chapter, just how Joshua shows that. You know, it gives an example as if being a leader, being a Christian, is hard at times. Hard, not easy, but hard. And the reason I say that is we talk about preparing for battle. We're in a spiritual battle daily as Christians. And then we're engaged in warfare as well. And please remember, though, the Lord fights for us. The Lord goes before us. And he... he has his sword drawn in his hand. And that's why it's important for us to have our swords drawn in our hand as well to be prepared to engage in the spiritual battle that may come our way daily. So, and, yes. 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 Uh, just, I believe, yes, it's in the past. I don't have the uh, reference there, but it is in Exodus where Moses has the same experience with the burning bush. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be Exodus 9 if someone wants to fact check me on that. So oh, I'm not sure. Megan? Um, it was the commander of the. Yes. Okay, okay so uh, verse 14 says, So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Megan, if you look at other passages, you know, when we went through Revelation here, we talked about how John had fell before uh, an angel and tried to worship him. And the angel said, don't worship me. You know, he wasn't worthy of worship. We don't see that here. So this wasn't just an angel here per se. Um, I call this, we call this a theophany. And once again, a theophany is a, a temporary appearance of God in human flesh. So basically, we, we, this was Jesus here. Commander of the army of the Lord. This is Jesus. Here we're talking about. This was not just an angel of the Lord here. Okay, so that's why he fell down and worshipped. And notice, if like I said, I gave that reference in Revelation where John tried to worship that angel, and the angel said, "No, please stand up. You know, I'm not. You should not worship me." That doesn't happen here. And I'm trying to find that passage there in Exodus. Uh, is it three five? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, chapter three, Exodus chapter three. Uh, now Moses was sending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to the of the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. Does that help? Does that answer your question, Megan? Okay. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yep. Yes, thank you. That's in chapter 6 there. Yes. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. So thank you. So there, as um, Joshua encounters the Lord Jesus there in verse 14, it's very similar to where Moses encountered the Lord there in Exodus uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 5 there. So... Any other questions? Ryan. Uh, Just a comment. uh, How Joshua Joshua refers to the the angel as my Lord. In uh, Genesis 18, when the three angels appear to Abraham, he refers to one of them as my Lord. So I think that's just kind of a common term of respect. Okay. No more time for questions at this point in time. So, let, let repeat the question one more time. So, what's the significance of the Old Testament uh, uh, circumcision? Paul was on about circumcision of the heart. Right. Right. So, it's not... I think Paul refers to it in the book of Romans. I don't know where it's at in Romans, but it is in Romans. Paul gives a comparison, right? So, if you're circumcised, but you don't follow the law... You know, it was supposed to be a covenant right here showing that you follow the Lord. But if, I'm, if you're circumcised and you don't follow the law, you're not really a believer in the Lord. But, but, but he gave the comparison. One moment. He gave the comparison of if you're not circumcised and you follow the law, you're circumcised there spiritually, per se, uh, is the example there. So circumcision for us today in regards to just a spiritual aspect is, you know, has our heart been circumcised? You know the cutting of the flesh. The kind of give an example of a picture of sin. You know when we come to the Lord, the sin has been um, defeated. You know it's, we still battle with it, but we have given ourselves over to the Lord spiritually per se in our hearts, in our minds, uh, because we, you know, we give our allegiance to Him, we give our trust to Him, we have our faith in Him. I would say. Repeat it one more time, please. Yeah, I would. I would say that when you come to the Lord, yeah, your heart is circumcised there spiritually. I I don't know if I would say at that moment, but yeah, the Holy Spirit comes in, in into us at that point in time as well. Yeah, God's Spirit takes presence in us. So yes, I guess I would say that. that would be an easy one. The <laughs> Yes. disciples he said I am the Yes. That was the law. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good comment there. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Physically, physically. Well, exactly. So so I guess out there for podcast world, we're, we're just doing a comparison how with Jesus now, just like he is our Passover, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to partake in the act of circumcision uh, in the covenant of Abraham. He is the new covenant, as uh, Gavin had just said there. That's why his righteousness is appeared unto us, because we not Correct. Yes. Jenny, the all the first to argue about that Correct. Yes. And then the Book of Acts uh, describes that as well. As you stated there, so all right. Any other questions? No, if not let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we just give you thanks. Uh, just as we looked at Joshua here, and uh, Lord, help us to remember uh, Jesus being our Passover, Lord, Jesus being our new covenant, and that uh, He fights before us, Lord, um, in the trials and battles that uh, we're engaged with, and even in spiritual warfare as well. Uh, Lord, uh, just pray that Your body here, uh, that You fill us with Your Spirit, Lord. Help us to hold uh, our swords uh, in our hands, Lord, handling it, handling it every day, and uh, help us to make that a priority. And to You be the glory, Lord, in how You use Your body here. Amen. All right, thank you.